Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, if you don't have a traditional Bible but you'd like one, if you just raise your hand, when I, one of my friends here will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your smart device and open up the Bible app, or it's also called the YouVersion app, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures right here on the screen behind me just to make it as easy as possible. If you're watching us online at whether one of our other sites or at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, love you guys and so glad that you are a part of our family. Family, hmm, that's, a, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? Have you ever wondered why, why I say that every single week? So glad that you're a part of our family. Like what is family? Who is our family? How is it that we're all family with people watching these services from all over the world, literally with people gathering and watching these messages in different cities and different countries in Canada, Europe, Asia, even the Middle East with such a diverse group of people with different races and backgrounds, pasts and presents, dreams and aspirations, people who are free and people who aren't. Some people who are bound by incarceration and others by oppressive government. How are we all apart of one big family. I wanna talk about that today in a message that we're calling, I Am Reconciled. Let's pray. God, we love you, we honor you, thank you for who you are, for what you do, for everything that you've already done in us and everything that you're doing right now and everything that you are yet to do. God, I pray that our hearts would be mended, that they would be molded into what you want them to be, that when we leave this place, we would be less like us, and more like you in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, one, one of the biggest things that the enemy wants to destroy among us is unity. He wants to divide us, you and me, you and them. He wants it to be the, this us versus them environment. He, he wants us to focus on the things that are different rather than the things that are the same. He wants us to focus on everything that we're against rather than on all the things that we're for. And so life has become our religion against their religion, our culture against their culture, our political views against their political views, our sexual preferences against their sexual preferences. He, he wants to point out all of the differences in an effort to create division, separation, isolation. And, and the Bible calls that out and it warns us, us against it when it says to stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
You know, the lion's greatest tool when they're hunting is separation. It's division. It's getting their prey isolated from their herd, from their support system, from their family. Because there's strength in numbers and vulnerability in isolation. And so in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul, he comes along and he talks about this and he warns us against it. There's so much separation in our world today. Separation over politics and policies, race and religion, the sanctity of life and the sanctity of marriage, vaccines and face coverings. There's just so much separation, but it's nothing new. I mean, the enemy's been sowing hostility in humanity since humanity began. There's been a sense of superiority and inferiority for thousands of years, whether it's someone's economic status, the color of their skin, the object of their worship, certain groups of people have been made to feel superior while other groups have been made to feel inferior. And, and as a result of those feelings of superiority and inferiority, we've built walls, both metaphorical and literal, both physical and spiritual, walls of isolation, of separation, of protection. Whether that be around the borders of China or between the east and the west of Germany, whether that be around sections of a city called Belfast or between us and our neighbors to the south, whether that be between you and your in-laws or you and your Lord, we have built walls of isolation and separation, walls of superiority and inferiority built on the foundation of doubt and deception. It began in the beginning. Did God really say? And that foundation of doubt and deception, it's created division between us and others and between us and God. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 16, Paul says, in Adam, you're divided, but in Christ, you're reconciled. And really, in these few verses, he gives us two areas of our lives where we're reconciled. Here's the first. In Christ, you're reconciled to God. Here's what he says. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Remember when you were an outsider, you believers? You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Jesus. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, now, you've been united with Jesus. You used to be far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus through the blood of Jesus, united with God. Hmm. Now think about the differences between us and God. Creator, created. Holy, unholy. Infinite, finite. Free of sin, filled with sin. And as a result of those differences, there, there's a hostility between us and God. Now, now, you may hear that, and <laughs> you may say, I don't, I don't feel that, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel that way at all. I don't have any hostility towards God. And I'd go, of course you don't. You're not the victim. You know, the offender seldom thinks there's a problem between them and their victim. But in our relationship with God, he's the one who's been offended. He's the one who's been and is being victimized. We have sinned against him. King David said, against you only, Lord God, 
have I sinned. In Adam, we're all sinners by nature and by choice. We've all rebelled against God and we've declared war against him. The things that you did last night that Pastor Sonny talked about during prayer, the things that you should have gone back and had prayed for, the things that you should have laid down, the things that you should have repented of, that was an open rebellion against God. That was a declaration of war. And God has a problem with that. If he didn't, he would cease to be holy. And in and of ourselves, we cannot change. We cannot save ourselves. Sin separates. It creates a chasm between you and God. It creates a chasm between you and hope, between you and heaven, between death and eternal life. And there's only one bridge between you and all those things. Jesus. There's no other name but the name of Jesus. In fact, the Bible says only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world that can save anyone. And so God, he becomes a man and comes to earth in the form of Jesus, the creator. He enters creation. He goes from heaven to earth, from being worshiped to being hated from a life of affluence to a life of poverty, from a life of notoriety to a life of hostility. He comes to seek, he comes to serve, he comes to save, comes to save us. And so he leaves everything that is good to him and for him and he comes on the grandest rescue mission of all time and he takes all of our sins upon his sinless self dies in our place. He eradicates the hostility between you and his father by making peace and by taking our punishment, by paying our debt and dying in our place. And so now, Paul says, we've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. In Christ, we are reconciled to God. Here's the second thing, is in Christ, you are reconciled to others. Paul says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of, man, this is such a great line. He broke down the wall of hostility. Mm. How many of us have walls of hostility? He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself, watch this, one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Jesus reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Like, why, why, do we, why do we hate each other? There, like, there's so much drama in the LBC. Like, this, like people, like, we hate. Did they, we, we just, uh, 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 ah. Sometimes you just, like, you see people and just, look, you can't, like, you can't even find words. so much hate, so much hostility that you, you can't even, you can't even verbalize it. You go to, oh my God, you ever go to a family reunion? I mean, I said, those aren't the people that you hate. Those are the people that you get together. Well, you might hate them too, but like you get together with them 
You just talk, you ever get with people and talk about other people? This is all you do. Just get together and talk about people you hate. Just, oh, I hate this. Like, why? Why do we hate each other? Why do some of us feel like we're better than others or that we're somehow inferior to others? It's amazing to me how many of us take credit for things we had no part of or control over. Like the color of our skin. For some of us, the religion that we practice. Like some of you, you were born in this. You're like fourth generation Jesus. And for people like me who, who were like spiritual entrepreneurs, people who had the pick of the litter and, and yet and yet chose this. We, we have a difficult time understanding why you take your relationship and access to God for granted. Some of us, we take credit for our, 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 our economic abundance. You know, people that are born rich, you see people that were born rich, you ever see these people that their crib was made of gold? <laughs> they, 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 they didn't never... They didn't never just uh, have Similac. Who drinks, who has, feeds their baby Similac? We have our mother's milk imported from Paris. We call it milk. I don't, I don't know what French is. I don't know what French is for me. It would have been better, that story, the point would have been better proven if I would have known the French word. I could have made one up. 94% of us in this room wouldn't have known what the, I could have just said, you know, that's the French word for milk. And if some of you would have said, you know, I don't think that is the French word for milk. I would have said, well, not in France, but in, <laughs> but in Canada, that's the French, French word. You <laughs> see people that they were born with some money and they act like they did something. Their dad, their granddad started a company and it was successful. And then their dad took it over and he only 50% ran it into the ground. And so now they, they inherit the 50% of what their granddad worked all of his life to. And they, they were born, their first car was a nice car. Wasn't like my car, a $300 Ford Escort that I bought myself. Like, but then on the flip side, some of us, some of us, we live in this lack thereof and think that we can't do greater things, think that we, we can't accomplish the things that God's called us to. You, like you weren't born into money or you weren't born into God, but, it, like, but we all have a history, don't we? And here's the thing, if you dig deep enough, you'll discover there's dirt under all our fingernails and skeletons in all our closets. And Paul was referring to that in his inclusion of Jews and Gentiles. Jews who, who felt because they were God's chosen people had sole claim to his love and his grace, his mercy and his forgiveness, his favor and his blessing. The, these people who were, for whatever reason, taking their position in God's favor for granted and making it a matter of exclusivity. These people who were essentially saying, we're the heroes, you're the villains. We're the good guys. You're the bad guys. If this were a Western, all your guys are wearing black hats <laughs> and all our guys are wearing white hats because God loves us and he hates you. And when we read people who act like this in scripture, we go, why in the world would they ever act like that? And I don't know. They do the same reason that you do. And, and all of this animosity and superiority, it traces back literally to a family feud. 
It all traces back to one guy. This guy, his, his name was Abram, and then it got changed to Abraham. But, but even with these people who felt that they were superior, Paul was saying, bro, like when you peel back the layers and you open the closet doors, bones fall out of your closet, the same as they do for every Gentile on the planet. You've probably heard of this guy. You've probably heard of, of Abraham. But one thing I try to not do is assume that people know the people that we're talking about. I had a guy tell me early on when I was first starting to preach, I would just refer to people in the Bible like everybody in the room who knew who they were. Okay, so you know what Paul said. Like, bro, who's Paul? Is the guy? Is it the guy that just handed me the Bible? I just nice guy. I really, yeah, I like Paul. Paul's a good dude. It's, it's, I'm not. I'm not quoting. Like, I love that. Like, I love the guy who handed the high five to you. But I'm not going to spend my whole message quoting him. It's like you know. So, so I try to not assume that people. No. So. Uh, Ab you probably know who Abraham, I mean, he's had songs written about him. Like when you're a kid, remember, Father Abraham had many sons. Yeah, that was dope. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so were you. Ah, ah. So let's just praise the Lord. And then you do these motions. You go, one arm. Father Abraham had many sons. I'm going to do the whole song now. And many sons had father. Bad enough that you didn't know who Stephen Curtis Chapman was last week or Public Enemy two weeks ago. But now you don't know this song. It's the Christian hokey pokey for crying out loud. <laughs> One arm. No, you say right arm, left arm, father Abraham. And then you right foot. And then you, and then you like get this whole thing. Just, I don't normally do this. I wish I could have the band come out right now and we could sing this song. Just by a raise of hands, how many of you have ever heard the song that I'm referring to? Come on, somebody! <laughs> Remember you do right arm, left arm, turn around, Father. And then it was like trying to see if what kids were coordinated and what kids weren't. This dude is famous, is my point. We've been singing about him all of our life. And he's one of the most important people in the history of the world. And he traces all the way back to Genesis. And, and in him, we see how this conflict between Jews and Gentiles is in some ways an ancient version of the Hatfields and McCoys that's been going on for thousands of years. So in case, in case you don't know the background, here was this situation. Uh, Abraham had two wives, which just so you know, that's one too many. Uh, the result of that was he also had two sons, one with each woman, and the conflict, it begins with which of those two sons would be considered the firstborn with access to the inheritance rights, the family name, and the blessing that was promised to the descendants of Abraham. And so what you had was two wives, two sons, and one massive conflict. And, and honestly, to this day, this conflict lives and breathes between Christians, Jews, and Muslims. Christians and Jews who, who, when we read the Bible, say, well, I mean, Abraham's real wife was Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah, they had Isaac. And Isaac, he's obviously the son of promise. But, but, then, but then those who read the Quran, Muslims, they'll come along and they'll say, no, 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 no. It's Hagar, not Sarah. It's Ishmael, not Isaac. We are the descendants of Abraham. And so we inherit the promised blessings. Abraham is our father, 
And, and you Christians and you Jews, you're the illegitimate side of the family. And so the debate and the hostility is deep. And it's, it's been going on for a long time. It had been going on for a long time before Paul talked about it. But according to scripture, of course, we know Abraham chose Sarah and Isaac. He sent Hagar and Ishmael away. He circumcised himself and his household and began circumcising his descendants as an outward sign of an inward covenant with, the, with God that would ultimately be fulfilled with the circumcision of the heart that Paul talked about by the Holy Spirit in what's called the new covenant. You literally just got 7,000 years of history in two minutes. So back to Ephesians. What happened was uh, you, had, you had this side of the family, the Jews, and, and they were circumcised. And, and you had another side of the family, the Gentiles, and they are uncircumcised. And, and to the Jews, they were the descendants of the chosen and they live over here. But as far as they were concerned, the Gentiles were the descendants of those who, who hadn't been chosen. And so, so they're living over there. And to the Jews, we're God's people and they're not. But honestly, they're a family just like any other family. And, and you don't have to dig very deep to find dirt. And you may not know this, but, but just let me tell you something. Abraham, AKA Abram, he was a pagan Gentile. <laughs> That's the irony in all of it. They're chastising these people for being descendants of who they actually are. Abram was a pagan Gentile. That's how he started out before God saved him. That's how we all start out before God saves us. And so the story in Genesis is that there was this place called Babylon. And in Babylon, they built a tower. They called it Babel. And God judged it, he confused the languages and he scattered all the people. And, and when he scattered all the people, he chose a man named Abram. Abram wasn't seeking God, God was seeking Abram. And God saved him, entered into relationship with him. And in one of the most important lines in all of the Bible, it says, and Abram believed the Lord, watch this, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was saved, not by works, not by anything he did. He was saved by faith through grace. But who was Abraham? Nehemiah 9, 7 and Acts chapter 7 both tell us that he was from Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, you, you probably not spent a lot of time researching Ur <laughs> of the Chaldeans, but, but here, here's what it was. Uh, Ur of the Chaldeans was Babylon. It, it was modern day Iraq. And so as far as we can tell, Abraham was just a regular old uncircumcised pagan Gentile living in Babylon. Then God showed up and saved him. And when he trusted in God, then he became the father of all who would ever believe. And he circumcised himself as an outward sign of an inward change. We all descend from pagan Gentiles who God saves by grace through faith. And in the midst of their chosen status, these, these early Jews, they had lost sight of that. They're like people who have been Christians for a long time. They have lost sight of that fact and they had become proud. And I wonder, I wonder how many of us have gotten a little proud because of where we think we came from. 
We're a little proud because we came from a religious family, a moral family, or a significant family. My, my parents did this, or my grandparents did that. Our family, we're, we're honored in the community, or, or you know, my family, we've contributed a lot to the church or to the city, or, or maybe you just say it like this, I come from good stock. When Pastor Sonny says that the Lord told her that somebody in here is struggling with the word wallflower in your mind, you go, <laughs> certainly, that's not me. But if we trace our family line back far enough, and if we open enough closets, we're all showered in skeletons. We're all knee deep in bones. We all have reasons to be separated from God and from others. And that separation can only be bridged through selfless surrender, can only be bridged through humble repentance. One of the many things I love about my mom is that when my mom came to Jesus, she started systematically swinging open the closet doors in her family history and scattering skeletons across the floor. She, she comes from a, how, how would you say it? She comes from a family of dysfunction with alcoholism and anger, anxiety and abuse, physical, emotional, and sexual. And it was something that when, when she was in Adam, those things were a struggle for her. She struggled with being a daughter, with being a sister, with being a wife, with being a mother. And for years, there was constant conflict. She was living out the destiny of drama. There'd be long stretches, sometimes years, where her and her siblings would fight, where they, where they wouldn't even speak to each other, where we weren't allowed to speak to them. She was dogged by the demons, not only of her past, but by the past of generation of whites. That's her maiden name, W-H-Y-T-E. She was dogged by the generation of whites who had come before her. But when she decided that she was no longer going to be in Adam, but instead would be in Christ, she stopped burning bridges and started building them. And for the last number of years, I've watched her act as an ambassador for Jesus within her family to the point that she reopened lines of communication with all of her siblings and led them back, not only to each other, but led them to Jesus. I, I've witnessed her as she's sat at every one of their deathbeds and held their hands as they've taken their last breaths and stepped from this life to their eternal life in Christ because she recognized sin separates. It creates a chasm. And there's only one bridge to divide, to, to bring those things together. And it is Jesus. And the only thing burning bridges does is isolate you and eliminate your escape route. She recognized in Christ and only in Christ are you and I reconciled to God or to others. And I wonder today, where do you need to be reconciled? Who do you need to be reconciled to? To God, to others? or to both, whichever it is today, in Christ, you can be reconciled. Would you close your eyes all across this place? In Christ, I am reconciled. I, I was reconciled some 25 years ago. Some people in this room were reconciled last week. Some of you haven't been reconciled at all, and that's what salvation is. Salvation is this beautiful connection of being reconciled to God. 
wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I'm not, I'm not connected to God. I'm not in relationship with that. I mean, I know who he is, but I'm not in connection with him. As the Bible talks about salvation, it talks about how we are in relationship with God. And you say, I'm, I'm not in relationship with God, but you can change that today. Today, you can be reconciled to God. And here's how. The Bible says that we have to do two things to be reconciled to God. We have to confess and we have to profess. We have to confess that we're a sinner and we have to profess that Jesus can change that. So I wanna give you the opportunity to do that today. And here's how we're gonna do that. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask for people to do two things. Number one is to, to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. That's gonna be your way to confess. And once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. And secondly, I'm gonna ask for people to repeat a prayer after me along with everyone else in this place. And that's gonna be your way of professing that Jesus can change you. So if you're here today and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with God, but I'd like to, I wanna receive him as my Lord and Savior. Nobody look around. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me today? Thanks, thanks, thank you, thanks, thanks, thank you, thanks. Miss anybody? Thanks. Thanks. Okay, I'm gonna ask everybody in here to repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, I've spent my life living like a sinner. I don't want to anymore. I'm not a sinner. I'm saved by grace through faith. And so today, I ask you, forgive me. Come into my heart. Change me. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord and be my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that, you just made the greatest decision that you've ever made in your life. And you've begun this beautiful journey away from where you are right now, which is like you. And you've begun this journey toward where you should be, which is like Jesus. And so we want the opportunity to connect with you and to help you on that journey. And so if you would just do uh, one of a couple things, you can either take the card that's in the seat back in front of you that Pastor Sonny talked about. You can tear off the bottom part, check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And you can put that in the black buckets when they come around, or you can take it out to the Welcome Center. You can also scan the QR code on the back of your chair or on the screen, or you can just send us a message. If you're online or at the Brown County Correctional Facility, you can either message us or talk to whoever's running your service. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes one more time before we receive the Lord's thoughts on your offering. I wonder if you're hearing you say, Sean, I, like, I'm saved. I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl, uh, but I need to be reconciled to others. There's some animosity in my life. There's some separation in my life, and I need that to be bridged. If that's you with nobody looking around, would you raise your hand today in this place so I can pray for you? Yep, yep. God, for the many people in this place who have some sort of a separation, God, who need to be reconciled to someone else, I pray for peace. I pray that you'd give an opportunity for those bridges to be built today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.